0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Arizona Coyotes because the Avalanche just went from having two three goal games in like a month to having three or more goals in four of their last six games. Safe
1: to say this top line is the best in the league.
0: Yeah, we are. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for March 366th, 2020. March 1, 2021. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche can't score goals until they can. Injured players and rosters on the margins. And we'll try to find something interesting about San Jose and Anaheim for next week. But before we play the Whoosh, my fellow disembodied voices will be, as always, Earl06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And Tiger Vixen. Hello, Jackie.
2: We made it to March.
0: We begin on Monday. Last week on the show, I very confidently said Colorado would win every game this week unless there's a goaltending disaster. The Avs said, nah, we'd rather slump for a minute. 3 to nothing, the score as they fall to the Golden Knight, so that series ends up a full split. Marc-Andre Fleury was absolutely out of his mind in this one, as every Avalanche skater had a shot on goal except Bowen, Byron, and JT Comfer. This is a bit of a letdown after the outdoor game. Uh, the kind I was really hoping to not see, but we did see it. Uh how much of the shutout do you dump straight on Flurry and how much is the way the Avs played? Well, it's, a lot of it's both.
2: A, yeah, I would say especially in a four-game week it's hard to remember the first game, but Flurry I I certainly remember the saves that Flurry was making. It was kind of the same story for the Avs as the first game they played against Vegas when they got shut out in in Vegas was they were generating a lot of decent chances, but Flurry was making a lot of good saves, and the Avs also have the problem with a lot of one and done stuff, where they're in the offensive zone and they're creating the scoring chance, but there's nothing after that. And I think that also helps the why they've made some goaltenders look really, really good. So it's it's some of both.
1: Yeah, I think you know I I think when 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 you look at the Avs, they have. Pretty good expected goal numbers, and it just like I've said before, I, I think there's there there are times when expected goals fail you, and, and a lot of that comes when you're shooting into the middle of the ice a lot, and it's very clogged up because that just that's not something that XG takes into account, and, and I do think that happens to the Avs a lot. So you know, I mean, any shot's a good shot to take, but. Uh, when you're getting a lot of unproductive shots like the Avs have, you know, for the past couple weeks, really, um, that that can be the culprit if you're still having decent expected goals numbers.
0: You know, and we're going to get I to think... that in a minute, too. So we'll we'll, we'll get I a little think... bit deeper on that one in a minute.
2: I think they have had some shooting bad luck, you could say. But like you said, that it's not just all bad luck. It's some of it is they're doing it to themselves.
1: Yeah. And I think it's systemic more than guys. I mean, there there are guys that just, you know, don't have it. But I, I think, I, I don't think the way the Avs are playing this year, and it's a, it's a little bit different than they have over the past few seasons, I don't think it's doing done their offense a lot of favors.
0: In this game specifically, uh, Nazem Kadri specifically got just absolutely stoned at least twice, I want to remember. Um like there there's yeah. there's a couple like like they definitely got their chances in this game. Um it it just didn't didn't go their way. And, and but, yeah, I mean, but so at the same time they, they just didn't have the kind of jump you would hope for. Everything was just a little bit off. Like it's just, just one of those games.
1: Yeah, and I remarked last week, like, you know, there this isn't exactly the kind of thing you're thinking about but this was their first game first home game after a fairly long road trip so um,
0: i think at
2: times they look tired but oh boy if they're tired now
0: yeah we'll get to that yeah. too <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's like it's just something they're going to have to deal with and fight through because if they can't operate at near 100% jump like how they want to it's not coming back so they're going to have to think about how do we adjust for
0: that? You know, what, let's just go ahead and yeah. do, do that conversation now. Um, because with with everything rescheduled from the COVID pause, uh, the rest of the season is outrageously compact. The Avs don't have two days off in a row. End of sentence. At all. Like they're yeah. every other day or back to back from now until the end of the regular season. Assuming nobody else has games postponed. So, like, the, what they're doing now to try to just kind of get through some of these games with big minutes for certain defenders, which we'll talk about with the Arizona series. Um, Like it's, we'll, we'll see how sustainable some of that is because you cannot wear down your whole roster by February 28th. When you you have no days off until mid mid April.
1: And actually Jared Bednar talked about this. uh, I think it was after last night's game and they've been, sort of looking at other teams, top defensemen, um, sort of how much they're playing, <clears throat> just sort of seeing if, you know, what they're doing to, you know, basically Sam and, and, and Taves right now is, is, you know, is something that the other teams are, are, are staying under or something like that. Um You know, I, I'm not, you know, I, I I think it's hard to guess how this is going to play out, just because I mean we've never had a season like this, so um, it's not just the Avs that are going to be tired. I mean, you know, everybody's going to be tired. So
2: it's just the teams that have had a pause. It's they're a little bit more compact, but yes, it was a compact schedule anyway to begin with. So I think yeah. that's why it relates to the first game of this series is and maybe when we get to the next game the Minnesota game is you could argue at times they look tired and i think Bednar's even said that but it's it's just like there's really no such thing as tired anymore it's your reality
0: they're so. going to they're going to have to find a way to take physical tired and mental tired and separate those those two things because you you can be physically tired and still do things right um but like with what we saw on wednesday that was not that that uh, Yeah, Wednesday, Minnesota came into town for the rescheduled fourth game of their series. It was paused by COVID. And nobody told the Avs about this. <laughs> th- they dropped this one 6-2, including the empty netter, JT Comfer, and Nazem Kadri with the goals here. And all of a sudden, we're going, oh boy, where has the Avalanche offense gone? Um, Because there's there's definitely some explanations to that question. I'd like to get into it more in depth before we talk about Arizona, because there were some goals in Arizona and we can look at whether anything they did solved any of those problems. So um, as we look at the question of what's going on out there, one of the, one of the big takeaways from the Minnesota game was just that nobody was near each other ever. That was one big thing I I always noticed. It's like, they're trying to spread the ice as much as possible, which is fine. When there's a passing lane across all the way across the ice, you play in the west.
1: And that oh, is, that was, and the,
2: that was another thing from Vegas was because they'd seen the abs so much, they knew the the cross ice passes and the plays the abs were going to, were trying to make, and they were just getting picked off
1: because they only have three plays,
2: right? And so <laughs> I think that related definitely to the Vegas issues. I can't even really remember a lot of the scoring chances in Min- I don't think there was many in Min- in the Minnesota game. Yeah, there weren't. And that was probably, I don't know, would you say that was the worst game that they've played all year was the Minnesota game?
0: If you throw out opening I mean, night, which I think is usually a pretty good idea, I that that's definitely something you could argue.
2: Yeah. It's just like nothing was working, so it's hard to and say think, like, oh, they should have done this different or that different because it just was like nobody really had it. And then it was also the game where like the mistakes compounded. So it wasn't necessarily like you you could pinpoint anything. It just it was one of those snowball games. And you look at the score and you think six to two like that. Just write that one off. But it was closer than that.
1: Yeah, it and, it was close it, until like five minutes to go or seven minutes to go, whatever it was.
2: Yeah, so, so they were trying to slog through it, but it just they just never had it either. And I think Kadri, did have was that a power play goal that he got? It was like their first one in a month. And so it, it was funny because yeah, okay, Comfort finally scored a five on five, which we talked about last week that he hadn't done. So it's like good, he got that least off his back a little and Kadri I think scored on the power play which was another thing we were saying needed to happen but it's it's almost like those things happening didn't mask that nothing else
0: was going right yeah it was on the power play for Kadri Uh, nothing going right is a perfect summation of that game because hockey is not a game of go execute and you will win hockey is about giving yourself as many chances as possible for things to go right and cuz cuz it's bullshit happens and it's random and um, it was
2: it, it was probably no better depicted than that short-handed goal against where the ref grabs Kadri and it's about <laughs> the play and then Minnesota grabs the puck because nobody's there the forwards had flown the zone and it was like an easy goal it was it, at that point you're just like all right, this this is, this just isn't happening. But I also don't want to say it's a write-off. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, put it in the bin, those games happen, because I think you do have to be aware of the things that happened in this game, because
1: yeah, I, think I feel like those situations
2: l- are going to come up down the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a bad loss, but it's, like, 6-2 doesn't describe the way it was bad. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> you look at it as, like, a 3 or a 4-2 loss
0: because um, Kadri's PP goal made it 3 to 2. And that was yeah. in the third period.
1: Right. And it just from there they just, you know, they couldn't get another one and then bad things happen. <clears throat> um you know, And one thing I I was I've been looking at is, is sort of the, what the Abs are doing in different score situations and they are really bad when trailing. And you know, it's a luck thing. Like they're shooting less than 4% at 5v5 when they're trailing it's like that's you know they're getting some bad luck when they're trailing because they're they're very good at controlling play and controlling shot volumes for and against but it's just they're not finishing and you know it's a problem um but it you just can't see it being this bad over the whole season
0: you gotta hope not. And uh, that's something that, that our, our friend of the show, Andy, wrote about over on uh, on DMVR, was that Colorado is really struggling with shooting percentage, particularly in the high danger kinds of categories of shots. Um, so th- those are the kinds of things that are where your goals are going to come from, not from um, you know, Ryan Graves takes a shot from the, from the point. Um, I and- do feel
2: like they haven't been doing that as much the the defenseman shooting like I looked in like in last night's game Sam had one shot attempt and remember the beginning of the season he was shooting a ton and it's it's just and I also can't think of like Graves really shooting from the point now I'm not necessarily trying to say like oh boy I wish the shooting from the point would all come back but I think it really does generate their offense
0: the shooting from the point can generate offense when it's on target and bounces, you know, into the danger area. That's the whole point, right? Um, yeah. the, the defenders weren't shooting against Arizona because the Avalanche kind of got everything they wanted against Arizona. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that when the time comes. Um, when when Colorado struggle when they don't have the puck support, when they're not able to connect passes, they end up tooling around in circles at the on the top half of the ice and taking long bad shots that get blocked and go wide, and the other team recovers them.
2: Pretty much, yeah, Yeah. and and that's a lot of the forwards is the one and done stuff that I was talking about.
0: You can tell tell things aren't working because Nathan McKinnon spends most of his time standing around like a third defender.
1: Yep, and it's not just him. It's uh, the centers. I mean, Kadri's usually pretty low because that's kind of where he hangs out. But um, they have a third. They have a a forward high a lot of the time these days, and you know, but, but. that's part of why their shot differential is so good because that really makes it hard for the other team to break out. Yeah. It's
0: fine when you're leading in the third period.
1: Yeah. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you guys, and I I have no way to track this, but it it seems like, especially since the Vegas series, they've been doing a whole lot of dump and chase rather than enter the zone and, and try to create from there. I mean, is that just me or do you, Have you guys noticed that? I mean, Bednar's even talked about, you know, like you got to get the puck low and go to work on the four check. And that's, you know, that's how we create everything. And that
2: I've noticed Byram doing that. I don't know that I noticed it more because I watch him in particular more so I can notice what he does more from like game to game. So, but I don't know that I necessarily could say that about everyone, but it, They do dump and chase to a degree. That is part of their game. But have they done it more? Have they stopped trying to carry it in? Like It seems like maybe Burakovsky is the only one that ever tries his own entry anymore. So I could say anecdotally, you could be on to something. But I I don't want to necessarily say it's just about the dump and chase because they like to do that as well.
1: But well, and I, yeah. where I'm seeing it a lot is when they try to enter the zone on the walls, which is not a great idea in general you generally want to do your zone entry you know middle to, you know between the circles let's say or between the dots um you know if you're on the wall that's basically like another defender for the defense to use to to kind of stop your your zone entry or or whatever you're trying to create once you get in um so it seems like they are not controlling the center of the ice in the neutral zone where where they used to a lot more, and that's forcing them to do more dumps.
2: But in theory, though, if they are doing the dump and retrieve more, then we shouldn't be seeing those one-and-done sort of third or half into the zone rush. Not a great percentage shot, and then it goes the other way. So I can kind of see why they would want to do that because the, you obviously have the puck low and you assume that you can win a battle and try to generate their offense in a different way so it's almost like anytime they are entering the zone they're just making those stupid one and done plays
0: a zone entry with possession is better than a dump it, it just is it's just yeah, very hard yeah. to do consistently especially when the other team's whole point is we're not going to let you do that because yeah. you're dangerous as shit when you do that um, right and so, obviously, you don't want to dump the puck in, and like it, it, it's in your game because it's in everybody's game, especially when it when you're at the end of a long shift or whatever, or if you're Dan or enough. But <laughs> the yeah, the goal, <laughs> the goal has to be entering the the zone with possession. And if you're dumping it, you all you're doing is entering the zone. You may not get possession. Yeah. Well, I just and mean
2: I, that it's it's not a function of like just plan C or D, like. Bednar, when they are playing well, and Bednar really likes their forecheck, is is, I think that is part of what they try to do. Is I guess what I'm saying is that.
1: I mean, they've always tried to do it with like the Calvert-Belmer line, just because you know that's that's kind of what they're set up for.
2: Well, I'd say anybody Um, but the top line. I mean, the top line certainly you you're not trying to
0: to just dump it in there. Right, but sometimes the top two lines get a little bit stubborn. And that—that's yeah. when they fail to enter the zone entirely, because the the other team will completely shut it down, and you don't have to keep their defenders on us with a dump, so they can step up and keep you from getting much lower than the face-off circle. And right. now, and that's a... now you're stifled.
1: And what you just said is, I, I think, is an important part of that. Is is the the dump helps, you know, helps keep the defense honest, and and using the dump will help your possession zone entries. Um, well, they you know, they a, do a
2: lot of that tip play in the neutral zone. You know, it's a, like it should be an icing, but if they ac- can actually get someone to tip it on its way down there, then then it's just like that's a, a dump
1: punt.
0: They do it all the time. It's a controlled punt
2: all the time,
0: yeah. <laughs> and they fail it all the time too, and ice the puck three times in a row. Yeah, but it, that's it's like play a I hate. Part
2: of it. It's a huge part of their system, though, is to get that that tip in the neutral
1: zone. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying that what I'm seeing with that play and with, with maybe more dumps than usual, it just says to me, they're having a more difficult time than they have in the past controlling the, the center of the neutral zone.
2: Well, I guess the question is, is this part of their suppression strategy? Because it seems like they've come into this year with, a little bit with what trying Red to be Hart the 2014
1: said, L.A. Kings. Yeah.
2: <laughs> is that's kind of like their adjustment from last year to this year was they want to be even more suppressive. And we've seen to the numbers that they have basically been successful at that. Yeah. But the result is they're suppressing their own offense.
1: Correct. And I, I do think that, you know, it just as time goes on, it more and more looks like they're trying to be sort of the 2014 L.A. Kings. And I I just, I I don't like this direction. I I just, I I think that the problems that they've had in the playoffs are not from poor defense. I I think their problems in the playoffs are generally, you know, obviously goaltender injuries have played into a lot of it, but it's just, they they don't score enough in the playoffs and it just, they're, I don't think you can hide not being able to score when it's tough. By being more defensively inclined, um, so it's well, it's just, sort
2: of uh, like the same story as the power play. It's the same theme: is they want to be suppressive, and then they figure the talent that they have is is what's going to show up and score.
0: And that's yeah. pretty much what it takes: is if if the talent doesn't do an extremely talented play, you, nothing else was going to work. Like the the Kadri goal against Minnesota was. A ridiculous shot. Um, yeah. We finally see Gabe Most- Landeskog bang one in later on in the week, but that's the first time that they've scored a goal that wasn't just a talent overwhelming you on the power play in a while. Yeah.
2: And it's like the same story five and five, too, is a lot of it, and maybe not when you get into the lower line, but certainly like the top two lines, it's all just about. Making a great play or making a great shot, and they do it enough that they do score and they do win games. But
1: well, I think like that's exactly sick, why the bottom six that. doesn't score is because the 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 system is not helping anyone score at all. Um, the system hurts scoring, and the the top line and maybe the second line sometimes are the only ones that that can overcome that and. You know, the, the bottom six really can at all. You know, I, th- I think putting Burakovsky um, with Comfer is interesting. I, I think it's sort of, you know, especially when they had Calvert on Kadri's line instead, I think that was a bit of a detriment. But I think um, that was
2: the Minnesota game too. Right. Not saying that was why that game happened, but right. It, it but just it's just the... one of many. You know, in general, honestly, I, I know... We all love Calvert's heart and and all that, but I don't necessarily think they're a better team with him in the lineup. Like he's I'm been 100% in the lineup, for sure they all are. The losses. <laughs> Not to say they were all his fault, but I just I think that ro- that roster spot is better served for somebody else at this point. If
0: I mean if if you pick up Matt Calvert and drop Logan O'Connor in his spot, the team doesn't lose that aggressive element um exactly you don't lose (laughs) anything i mean i i I, i've
1: i've never been a calvert fan so i mean it you know i i hate to tool on him like this but it just
2: i mean i get what people what he
1: brings is something that just about anyone else you're gonna bring up can bring sherwood could bring it you know obviously calvert has a lot more skill than sherwood and o'connor but it just
2: i don't know about that (laughs) i would say obviously he's 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 more an nhl player. He has the experience, I would say. is yeah, what he has I mean, over there. Calvert
1: scored a lot of goals in the nhl. I mean, I, I'll give him that, but
0: um I, I don't know that he has a tremendous amount more talent than than like O'Connor does not at this point in his career. <laughs> yeah. Um and it's also worth noting in in that Minnesota game, the the reason that Calvert was on the second line was because Brandon Saad was out having a baby. And the
2: ABS never—I I don't know. This is an aside. The ABS never said anything about it. I, th- I thought that was strange. I mean, unless that was he and his wife's wishes that they just not say anything, then I totally respect that. But otherwise, they were never like, you know, congratulations. And so such and such is here now. I don't—I don't know. Strange. Yeah, the broadcast like, usually
0: does things like that.
2: He's like he's out having a baby, and then you're just like what you know what happened is everything okay like you just don't hear anything and you're like okay <laughs> and <laughs> like usually that's not the end of the the story it's just i don't know I've not that it's not yeah they tweeted about it before the, the arizona do. game Oh, do they actually tweet the? Yeah. That he, okay, I'd like and the eagles.
1: The eagles tweeted about Magna too, so I saw, no, like I saw. No, I saw that. Minutes of each it. other.
2: <laughs> I never saw the Abs tweet it. Okay, well, at least they acknowledged it because. Yeah. Maybe Because I thought it was a little strange if they didn't, but sure, that didn't help that he was in the uh, wasn't in the Minnesota game. Obviously, that there was not the full reason. No, but all these things do add up. One thing I've kind of noticed, and maybe this relates a little bit more when we get to talk about Arizona, is they seem to play better with more people out of the lineup. And, I, you know, when you're losing Calvert and Belmare, and, and in a weird way when some of, like, McCars out, which you certainly are not going to say they're a better team without McCarr, Absolutely not. But it just seems like, I don't know, does everyone just get their shit together a little bit more? Or... Like
1: when- when they beat the Rangers in the
0: final game last spring, when Joost and Comfort were the yeah. top two centers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or... <laughs> I don't know. Let's let's go ahead and talk about Friday then, because that was the first game of a back-to-back. And it was a start for Hunter Misca, which we'll get to. Uh, the ABS win 3-2, Kadri with a goal, and assists on both the other goals, scored by Miko Ransanen and Andre Burakoski, who needed that. Uh, this was a ridiculously strong team defense effort. Because Colorado had the Coyotes to 10 shots on goal through two periods and only gave up eight in the third. Of course, things got a little interesting at the end with Miska allowing a vomit inducer and then Ryan Graves kicking in yet another avalanche own goal. But Colorado (laughs) does hold out and stop the losing skid despite playing on hard mode with 19 skaters because Matt Calvert couldn't go after warm-ups and the Avalanche didn't carry any healthy scratches on the roster. Amazing.
1: Yeah i mean that's i i mean i i get what they're trying to do with saving cap and everything like that but it's just you know i i mean it worked out all right but you know is that okay i mean is is playing with 19 skaters a professional way to conduct yourself is it um you know when it's so easy not to play with 19 skaters and have the full compliment um you know, I guess you just, wonder
2: like how, how early or how much lead time do they have to make that decision? Like I think well, they can't on the day, but yeah, it's
1: I you mean have the reason to, you, you have an extra guy in warm ups is in case is someone for that reason you, you know falls and hits their head on the boards during warm ups.
0: <laughs> you know, in, in case someone you know, steps on a puck can, and their whole foot falls off.
1: Like I mean things can right. happen. Right. And it's just you know that. Remember, Barbs would be out in warmups, not playing last year all the time, and it's just you know that was a luxury last year because they weren't near the cap. But, um, you know, I like guess, when you, when yeah, you don't I already... have that extra guy ready to go, this is can this is something that can happen, and you know, is, luckily it was it Arizona. More... If this was, if this was like Vegas or something like that, I mean that you know that could have been a loss.
2: I I mean I guess you'd say does. Just it is o'connor or sure or whatever they're missing is are they really the difference but but then i would say going back to the playoffs it's it's not necessarily about them specifically making a difference it's keeping minutes away from guys like mckinnon
1: right it's the five extra shifts that mac had to play you know it's things like
0: that uh, right. when, when the next game when the next day there's another game and then there's four right. four more games in the next six days like it's Every little thing like that adds up when you're trying to keep guys from just falling over from exhaustion by April.
1: Right. And the Avs are totally the anti-marginal gains type of team. But it just, this is one of those things that it just, you know, this is the butterfly beating its wings in the hemisphere away that that starts a hurricane. Um, Well, it's also why I don't know how things like this are going to affect the team long term.
2: Right. It's also why I argue that you need more than warm bodies. You need more than guys that are going to play seven minutes. If yeah. if you insert guys that can play ten to twelve minutes, that's just even more relief. But you know, we've gone down that road before. I guess I guess they don't think it's worth like five thousand dollars or whatever is to have to have <laughs> another guy on the roster. It's what it is.
1: Right. I know. It's like
2: the daily rate of a guy making league minimum or near it is about five thousand dollars a day.
1: Right. And it's like, all right, I know, you know, McDonald's been in the lineup a lot lately, but it's like McDonald is the perfect guy to have as your extra dude. Because Um, he can do like everything.
2: (laughs) Because he can
1: play both positions and he's not, you know, he's probably not going to hurt you very much either way. And it's just that that's, that's a great insurance policy to have if he's not in the, to be able to say, you know, if someone does get hurt and line up in lineup in warmups, then you know either D or forward, we got it covered.
0: Yeah, McDonald's I... been all right. And from what I could tell, um, with with my cap ignorance, looking at cap friendly, it looked like the Avalanche had room under the cap to bring up one of one of those like Logan O'Connor level uh salaries, and and yeah. have an extra skater for that game before warmups. Obviously, you can't make that call after the warm-ups happen, because for one, the player has to be off the taxi squad by five local, but like it it boggles the mind how they they leave themselves in the situation when they don't look like they need to.
2: Well, I think it's funny that they're required to have four on the taxi squad, including a goalie, because you damn well know that if that wasn't a rule, they would even be trying to skirt by with that.
0: Probably it's kind of what they do, so anyway uh they they did play extremely well this game um it, it helps that Arizona yeah. did not um no it's kind of kind of a both ways kind of thing here, but this was I mean as as far as games against Arizona go, both games this weekend were not that boring um and no. Hunter Misca got himself an NHL win barely barely. <laughs>
2: Well, it was a little scary, especially since the Coyotes had just come back on the Ducks, three goals in the third period, two, the co- two consecutive games right before ours. Yeah. So when they got one, you're just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> not again. And then when they got yeah. two, I was just like, I don't want to watch this. Dear God, just make <laughs> this minute go away. Like for me, that is when I do not want to watch. It's like I already saw the fun part. Just I either want to see the W or for this to be over because there's nothing good left to watch.
1: Well, I mean, if it was Grubauer, you just you wouldn't be that worried. But
2: well, yeah, part of it was Miska, but like I said, the other part of it was that Arizona had just done that and against Gibson. I mean, so yeah. it's not. It wasn't just about having a shaky goaltender. No, they were they were definitely confident. They could do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so goal against number 1 Hunter Miska it, it bites on. I don't know if it was a fake or like he's trying to be across for a pass that never happened or what, but he was halfway to Istanbul and then the obviously spot. obviously there's nobody in goal. So it's just like the, <laughs> the freest goal ever for Phil Kessel. Um yeah. And then the second goal again Ryan Graves boots it in. Like what what are you going to do? Right.
1: There's but, your margin for error. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like thank goodness they got that third goal in because they freaking needed it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like that was definitely more exciting than it needed to be, and and you know, just as the wild game didn't really reflect six to two, three to two is not a good summation of this game. No,
2: this yeah, they they could have easily been a three to nothing game.
0: Yeah, right. This was a whomping, Oh, to uh, especially considering that it was nineteen on twenty. This this was a whomping. and and on Saturday, fourth game of the week, this one without Kale McCarr again. Floodgates kind of open up as the Avs lay down their own six two victory. Nathan McKinnon gets one. Gabe Landeskog gets a rebound power play goal. Seriously, it happened. Jonas Donskoy finds another goal, and then for good measure, tertiary scoring kicked in too, with goals for Jacob McDonald, Tyson Jost, and P.E. Belmar from miles away into the empty net, each with their first of the season. It it didn't get out of hand until late, and the Coyotes played a pretty strong first period, but the Avs put 20 shots on goal in the second alone, and had something like 90% of the shots at even strength there. What an ass-kicking!
2: And I didn't like the first period at all, and I felt like Maybe you could make the tired excuse, but it was just when the avs start being more deliberate, it it just doesn't go well for them. And then they they were I think they were slow on pucks, and it was just like no, we we can't have another rerun of the Minnesota game here. And Arizona did come out and look like they were told like to shoot the goddamn puck, and they they did. And so it was it was like Arizona had the momentum, but the difference was is they got the talent goal with McKinnon. They didn't have anything going, and he finally was just able to have a very McKinnon-esque, how did you shoot it from there? And it went in, and it was just like, oh, we have the lead now. And it was almost like, that made it all better. It, it feels like the games over this week, it, it was like the abs relax when they finally get a goal. It, it's like it's all affecting them. Is, <laughs>
0: well,
2: and yes, it's... it's of course, it's always easier to play with the lead, regardless of who you are and where you're at, but you could visibly see their fresh frustration and just maybe some lack of confidence. And it's like, when are we ever going to get a goal? And then they get it and it, it just relaxes everybody.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. that Arizona came out and was fairly overwhelming for about the first 10 or 12 minutes, let's say. Um, you know and then they buckle down and and the avs you know they they were able to to combat them on, on even terms pretty much um, one thing that's interesting i you know for those of you that that look at natural stat tricks uh, game summaries they have a new thing where they they take the shift charts and for each shift they you're able to look at the Corsi differential or the expected goal differential for each shift and they color code it like if red for bad, blue for good. Um you know, just looking at the beginning of of last night's game, you know, it's like there was a lot of red on the av side in the in the, you know, first 10 12 minutes, but after that, they, you know, they took it back and, you know, they're pretty much really on it from there on.
2: Yeah, they definitely locked it down in the second period. They they didn't really get the goal barrage until the end, but you could just tell they were pulling away at that point.
0: Yeah, they—they yeah. were getting the kind of goals that you get when the other team's defenders are active activating, and so you can come up the ice a lot more easily. Um, that—that's—that's that's what a, a a lot of the six comes from. But I mean, you've also got Jacob McDonald, an AHL defender, scoring a wraparound on you. Uh, <laughs> 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 Oops, <laughs> Pro- probably yeah, not supposed to allow that. <laughs> yeah, you usually should
2: win when you get those kind of goals, right?
0: Yeah. And and it's just it kind of even... like the opposite of the Minnesota game, right? Like you you give yourself as many oppor- opportunities as possible for bounces to happen on your offensive end and that you win hockey games. And I, I think it's weird that they and
1: maybe it's just a mentality thing, but it's they were able to they were, you know they put up 3 and they controlled the game so maybe they could have put up more on Aiden Hill the you know backup or third goalie however you want to look at it and then they they put up 6 last night on a real live NHL goalie
2: They hadn't played in a bit so I don't Yeah. I don't know cuz sometimes we, it's weird cuz sometimes when you have those third goalies in or the young guys or whoever you call it from the HL or whatever you want to call it they can tend to play a little bit more on adrenaline or momentum and put in a better performance than you expect. And then sometimes veterans are a little stuck in the mud and need to get going. And sometimes those are the better matchups.
1: Yeah. No, I'm just on on paper. You'd think they'd score more against Hill than Ranta and it, it didn't work out like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, but it hopefully is that's, a team a, game. that's
1: more of a moment. Yeah. It's, it's more of a momentum thing. I think, um, you know, you see the AVs like the 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 scoring is starting to pick up. Um, you know what well, they're they've got. You know, we'll go into this obviously later in the, later in the show, but they've got a really easy opponent coming. Um,
0: easy anybody. to easy to score on. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully.
1: They're very accommodating if you wish to score a goal. <laughs> <They're> very accommodating. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's just you know you, you hope that even though that's sort of a crutch, you know, playing teams that maybe aren't at their best or don't have their their best goalie like you know if, if both these games were against Kemper you know who knows how they would have gone um, but you just you you gotta hope that that whatever scoring funk they've been going through um, is maybe gonna be you know a little little better off after going through san jose
0: on the, and that's, sure, that's right how you wonder see. about some of this stuff like with some of the things that you see in the game against minnesota where they're everyone's trying to force things individually and and yeah. there's not puck support anywhere to be found like those are offensive struggle slump kind of plays and as as we see some people remember oh yeah i actually am able to score score goals on on nhl goaltenders and i can do that and
2: Right, like that's the thing about Joe scoring is it was total garbage time. But does that get him going in any sort of meaningful way? Or even though the empty netter, it was an empty netter for Belmare, it was still a goal. So does does that get him going? Even though I feel like the ceiling there is pretty low at this point,
0: uh-huh. but
2: or Comfort at least scored a five on five goal this week. So. If they could get any sort of contributions from those guys, it would certainly be
1: helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. J.T. Comfort, isn't—he hasn't had his quarterly week of awesomeness yet, but he actually had a pretty decent week.
1: Thank you, Andre Burakovsky.
0: That partially yes, but he—he he was creating some things. He was often buzzing around the net when chances were happening, so can stop punching. That he definitely guy for had a, a
2: better week. That's for sure.
0: Um one one player who did not have a better week found himself out of the lineup. Uh how do you feel about Connor Timmons um not playing with with Jacob McDonald and Dan Renouf on the on the in the lineup? I say I'm with, fine Timmons,
1: with Mac, but Renouf big, instead of him is bad. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's a big it's complicated. It really is because there's a lot of a lot of factors that go into it and I agree with you that I think it was clear they needed to do something different after the Minnesota game, which Timmons was not good. And and he certainly was not the only one, but um, it was, it was fair and it was deserved, but, but yeah, not, not playing him when you have Renouf in the lineup, especially when you had Timmons and McDonald in that Vegas game where they won when both uh, Gerard and McCarr didn't play and was that should have at least given you some confidence that you could you could play that defensive lineup and, and do okay. But I think also part of it is, is in a way, protecting Byram because, and this is why I'm more okay with it than I would be normally, because I know people would say, well, I make the argument that you always got to stick with your prospects and there's no way you should ever play. I mean, you shouldn't play Renouf instead of him, but... You know, ordinarily you would say you probably shouldn't play McDonald instead of him if you're serious about him, but I I think you also have to do what's better for Byron and I think it's better for Byron to not be playing with Timmons. And yeah. so in a way I feel like that serves him better to have and he Byron doesn't really play with McDonald, but I think just um just the fact that the defensive makeup is that way it it's better for him. And, and so in a way I, I prefer to see that continue.
1: Yeah. I mean, Byron's usage this weekend was interesting because like Friday night he played with Sam the whole game. And then last night he played with, with Taves the whole game. But yeah. It was more spread out last night, but, but Taves was generally the guy he was out there with the most.
2: Which I think was um, kind of new. Cause yeah, he hadn't done that. Did and his amount like, of ice you know,
0: time change from game to game? Like, is this, Maybe Benard trying to manage who is the workhorse from one game to the next.
1: Yeah, I mean he played, he played, he played a 18, lot last night.
2: Yeah, he played eighteen minutes, and the first Arizona game it was lower because of the, the fight that he got into.
0: Ah, yeah. I yeah, that happened. Which I <laughs> I
2: don't I don't I don't know. I think it was fine that that he got in that fight. I mean. Dabs don't fight Checked that much
0: it off in the general. <laughs> yeah, check it off the list. And the, and the dude did skate directly through Hunter Miska's face.
2: Yeah, it was a whole lot more. Perfect. But it
0: wasn't that guy.
2: <laughs> no, it was. No, I think it was.
0: No, it was
1: Pitlick skated through him, and then he fought Kajula.
2: I don't know. I thought it was the same guy, but anyway, him and they're basically got a the
0: bit same guy.
1: To
2: check.
0: <laughs> like, <Yeah.
1: laughs> Does it (laughs) matter?
2: I don't know. Hey, they scored right after that too. I honestly thought maybe it gave him a little. Not that. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about fighting. I think it does have some sort of meaning and purpose to the team. I don't think it has as much as some people like to believe. But I don't know. I think when you see your youngest player out there fighting, and at that point it was a tight game. I think they only had the one goal. So after the fight, then that's when. I think it was Burakovsky scored, and I don't know, you see see a guy that highly touted, and he's willing to get his nose dirty and get into stuff, and I don't know, I think it's, it it does up the respect factor a little bit, or give the team a little bit something. So it
1: wasn't the pointless fight that that Gilbert had. No. (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) Not that you want him to fight often, but it's nice to show that you have that card, and that yeah. he has been no, playing they, they, a lot physically
1: yeah the the game had gotten quite physical just because you know it was a one nothing game and it, it was really close going into the the third period and then you know Miska gets elbowed in the head which the the refs apparently missed
0: well as we know officiating um, is random
1: it is and you know so that you know that that was a heat of the moment kind of fight and, and you know that that's fine um you know, I, I I do think that you know maybe the abs fed off that a little bit
0: the the only way to prevent the heat of the moment kind of fight is for the officials to do their job better
1: right
2: yeah that too they they really weren't stepping in at that point either and
1: that's probably yeah, never that was not happen. good game management well it's I mean you know usually you do see some game management when you when you see hitting start to pick up in that situation you know maybe take one guy from each side when there's there's a little bit of an altercation and that can sometimes oh. calm things down oh, but... they,
0: they did that earlier when when Land bland but that was in the thousands other game never mind i was thinking of the time that Gabe bland broke connor garland but that was in the first game right
2: yeah well both happened in the first
0: game oh we're yeah. talking about the first game again yeah uh, th- this is what my brain does when i have bad allergies y'all i cannot it's think. not it's
2: not just you it's it's hard It. Especially with them playing back-to-back against the same team a lot, it is hard to separate the two right. games because you're thinking back. It's very, I don't know, similar in the thought process. But No, see,
0: that's where um, you're wrong, though, because <laughs> I'm not thinking back because there's no thoughts. No thoughts. <laughs> Only sinuses. <clears throat>
2: but I, I think to bring back to the point is what we were trying to get into the Timmins thing is that... For me, first and foremost, the priority is what happens with Byram. So, and I think that's the team's priority this year. So that's how I feel as well. But um, it's a good question. Like what, when should Timmons get back in the lineup? It it probably should have been when you're trying to play Dan Renoff, who is not an NHL player. It was his second NHL game ever. And he's 26 years
1: old. It's clear he's a and career four years leader. removed from his first one.
2: And he, and he did fine, but to me, it's a lot like guys like Magna and Drys. Maybe they're fine, warm bodies for a game or two, where you're like, "Wow, they didn't really do anything bad." But like, there's no ceiling. Like, the more you play them, the more that you're just basically chancing that that there's regression. Back to the truth, and I, so
1: I—I I don't have a problem with with Timmons missing a, a couple of games, and it you know, it—it it really depends on how long it stretches out. Because obviously, you know, he did have a bad game versus Minnesota, and he didn't have think...
0: a bad game. <laughs> it, it...
1: <laughs> Timmons has been on it
0: the a... He's been
1: <clears throat> Yeah, he's his play is dropped, and. You know, I, I think if if there's something the coaching staff can do as far as you know, watching, you know, having him watch the game uh, from up above and, and pointing out some things for him to look for and to work on and mentally, because um, obviously there's just not a lot of time on ice for practice. Or um, any. You know, if if this is something that they can, you know, sort of refresh him and and maybe nip a a little bit of a slide in the in the bud and have him come back and and be a little more effective than he had been in the past few games then you know it's a good thing
2: well i think how they're Uh handling him is fine like this is what i wanted how they're handling him is how i wanted them to handle bowers and Cout. like maybe not necessarily play every game but you're there you're on the taxi squad at worst like you're around the team and then you play fairly regularly like he's played like 12 games or something 13 games Mm -hmm. so that's quite yeah. a bit of the season. So so I'm gonna say I don't I don't mind how they've handled him. Now with Makar out for at least the next two games, it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to put him back in or if dear God it's still
1: Renault. Well if you're gonna come back in a a sort of less than confident situation, there's no better place to do it <laughs> than San Jose.
2: <laughs> right. Like if he doesn't play San Jose, then you then you've really gotta wonder. I, I agree with that. But uh, for me, I don't know if it's just a matter of taking a step back, watching the game, watching some video. I don't know if his ability is necessarily better. Like, we've certainly seen him play better. He, he, the Minnesota game was poor, but he had been sliding a bit, and it wasn't just him, it was a lot of the team. But I, I don't know. I just, the skating is a big issue, and. It hurts that he can't recover, so he pretty much has to play more mistake-free than, say, Byram does, because Byram can clean up a whole lot more than Timmons can. So you're already basically like starting with a strike against you, because you just have to be that much better. But it's and kind of the a... decision-making, it's the thought process. Is, it, is the game just too fast for him because he's he's not experienced, or is it just maybe not ever going to slow down enough for him? And I know it's hard to say, like at this point in his career, he hasn't played a ton, but we threw out b for doing basically the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And to yeah, me, I, I mean, see I a lot that's... of parallels between the two.
0: And I think
1: it's a legitimate question. He's in a tough role um, because basically the, the minutes that he gets, a lot of it is with the bottom six and it's, it's not really in his wheelhouse as far as he's not going to be able to use his strengths on offense and, and sort of helping the team get through the neutral zone because they they don't really play the same way as the, the top six um, as far as breaking out and, and neutral zone play. But it's like, you you know, how many minutes can you waste a night putting him with the top six? If he's not, if he's not really producing, so you know that that's a tough situation. Just because it's you know the role is isn't a great fit, and probably what he should be in, he's not ready for, or may never be ready for. Um, so what do you do?
0: We just it's need stop. the turnovers to stop. That's that's really what it comes down to. Is the turnovers yeah. need to stop? And just for all the reasons that y'all just said, he cannot. Really recover, and he doesn't typically get minutes with you know good enough skaters to help him recover. So that's kind of where we're where yep. we're stuck at. But I, I but like like you said a minute ago, TV. It's like it's really nice to see them handling a potential prospect, he kind of player by giving them NHL games. Um, which yeah, brings us absolutely. To the, which which between you saying Bowers and count and between you saying you gotta wonder, I found myself having to wonder. Is Martin Kaut Kau- healthy? I uh, know. As far as
2: we know, no. Yeah. Because I don't know what, nobody knows what happened. He was the game, the weekend that the AHL was starting and they had their game canceled because Stockton had to go to Canada. They played a scrimmage. That was the last time anybody saw him. Did he get hurt in the scrimmage? Nobody knows because obviously providing a stream or any information is asking too much. But allegedly he got hurt there which does piss me off because he should never have been there in the first place he should have been on the taxi squad at minimum he doesn't have to play all the time but you're on the taxi squad you're with the nhl team and then when shit happens like when calvert can't play belmar gets a puck in the head which he did in the last game you're gonna need guys and they're gonna play and i find it hilarious the whole oh we have to get them playing argument okay Renault hadn't played a game in a year Dries has been sitting around on the taxi squad now for almost four weeks, not playing a game. So if we're talking about we have to play guys that are fresh and ready, no, sorry. That that's not the truth right now. So
1: it yeah, makes sense. The Renough that... thing really shot that argument out because yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. He he had not played since last March.
2: Yeah. So so pisses me off Cal was even ever put in that position. And then God knows what happened to him. So, well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he comes back. I'm sure that now he has to play with the Eagles for months before they even think about him again. But Bowers has been playing. Like, I think that's where you're trying to lead us to is, okay, Bowers has now played with seven games in the AHL. And I thought there was a possibility he could he could have been called up before this this road trip. And um, he wasn't. And so that shoots the whole playing games excuse out of the water for him, too. Like, what more does he need to do? He has the same amount of pro experience that Timmons does.
0: And then they but they did call up uh, Sherwood, which is in a vacuum. Fine.
2: Yeah, he's fine. And O'Connor's fine. Like, I'm not complaining about those two, but. You still drives on your taxi squad. So it's not about Bowers versus Sherwood or O'Connor. It's about you have to be on the taxi squad to get an opportunity and you're not going to sit around like it. it hasn't been the case this entire year is, Oh, the guys have sat around on the taxi squad because nobody's got injured. Nobody's been out of the lineup. Nothing's happened. It's like, come on, that's not reality. Now we're playing every other day.
0: You hurt every game now. Yeah. And sometimes right, they exactly. don't even stop. Sometimes they don't even stop play for it. Like Belmar yeah. getting hit in the face with a puck.
2: So these chances will come up. Plus, if they ever buy into load management, which maybe will never happen, but you could rotate some of these guys. Like, does Belmere need to play every game that he's healthy for? No. <laughs> does he need to play back to back? No. So, we'll see what happens, but, I mean, the time is now for Bowers, and it's it's extremely disappointing that they did not bring him on the road trip.
0: Yep, that that's led me to the conclusion that they are not calling up Shane Bowers should be your default position when you're trying to assess what the Avalanche will do.
2: I agree with that.
0: So while we're on the subject of apparently AHLers, um, I think there were a couple of guys in the AHL that y'all wanted to spend a few minutes just kind of talking about for folks who maybe don't have access to the Eagles or brain space to watch that much hockey.
1: Well, aside from Bowers, who of course has been generating tons of shots and, and the Eagles don't score much, but he's, he's been putting some of that together as well. But the, The two guys that are standing out for me right now are amateurs and Jean-Luc foodie and Trent minor. Um, foodie was drafted last summer minor a couple of years ago. Um, but
2: both should be in the, in juniors. If they, yeah, but
1: this should be minors final year in the CHL. And and this would be foodies first of two. You would think in the OHL, if they ever play, um, but Miner has basically taken the starter's job. Um, I mean, some of that's just sort of lack of bodies, but he, you know, he he's earned it. Um, a little bit of a slow start, but he, you know, won his first AHL game, and then last night he got his first AHL shutout uh, in a one nothing game versus a good Tucson team. So, you know, it's 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 pretty impressive for a seventh round pick who, you know, probably probably over the summer I wasn't all that high on maybe even getting a contract, and now you know, what what do you do? I mean, he he looks good in the AHL, looks like he belongs. So I, I think my opinion on him is changing. Um, foodie has been amazing. Um, at 18 years old, being, you know, sort of thrust into a men's league and a top six role and getting a lot of minutes, um... You know he also started slow like the rest of the Eagles, but he's been generating lots of shots and he gave what he had five last night um and he started to rack up the assists um still looking for his first goal but you know he's he, I guess the rap on him is more of a playmaker than a shooter, but <sighs> I mean he just looks completely at home there and it, the shame about it is he's gonna have to go back to the OHL perhaps this spring, but definitely next fall. Right. Um, and it just, it looks like he really doesn't need it.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: you know? Yeah the,
2: yeah. the foodie thing is crazy because it's, it's more than just like, okay, he's 18 and he shouldn't be here, but he's, he's like doing good. He's fine. No, he's been like impactful. Like, yeah. One of their best players, like, you know, like Megna and Tynan are career scores in that league. Like they, they'll, They'll get theirs and they're they're the best players for the Eagles. But I don't know. I might slap foodie right behind them because some of the plays he makes and just the ability for him to hold on to the puck. Like he's winning board battles against men. And he's still like 170 pounds or something. He's winning board battles against men. He's holding the puck into traffic. He's making great pa- like stretch passes and plays in the zone. Like he's he's playing like one of their best players. And it's also astonishing that they're giving him this role. Like certainly his play has earned him some more of it, but he started right away as someone that they were taking serious and giving a look at. Like he played way more than Bowers and Cowan ever did to start their careers. Like Bowers does play a lot now too, but it took Bowers until this year starting to even, see the kind of minutes and usage that foodie does like he plays on special teams they had a they played in overtime the other night he played like half the overtime like they they would have never done that and you'd say okay they finally turned a new leaf they're finally playing the kids no it's just him which is great but the same problems are still plaguing them that i won't get into but um
1: he's earned their trust and that's very i mean it's odd that you know, twenty-year-olds have a very difficult time earning the trust yeah. of the staff, and so, here he so is at eighteen, is, sort of a trusted player already.
2: So yeah, it is like, where do you go from here? Where maybe he can stay the rest of this year, which is cool, but he certainly won't be there next year. And then, are they? What do you like? If, if it was anyone but the Abs, you'd almost make them maybe the NHL argument because he shouldn't go back
1: to juniors. But yeah, I, 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 I
2: that one's probably not going to hold water, especially since we need to get new hook in the NHL,
1: but um... yeah. And I don't, th- I don't think he's ready for the NHL. No, I mean, he's it's he'd... it's a really good showing in sort of a down year for the AHL. And that's great. It's like, he's, he's showing that he's comfortable with the pace and with the size that he's encountering.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but, but it's just, you know, it's, it's not going to be an NHL transition next fall.
2: No, but just, I, I wouldn't the, say that either. The OHL
1: is, is going to be such a step down from, you know, what he's doing now. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how they can, I don't know what they can put in his head that he can work on <laughs> in the, the OHL. That's, that's going to prep him to be a better, you know, pro prospect, um, you know, well, people is... would
2: say that dominate that dominate the OHL then, or the produ- the production. Yeah, like, it just doesn't to... work like that. Though. I know, and I hate. I do hate that. Art, like, well, these if they're ready, then they should be dominating. Like, oh, it's really not that simple. But you know, right. he'll it's... be fine. It's it's he'll be fine if he's in the OHL. It just I my big hope is then whenever he comes back to the AHL, that it's like they they keep going with where he was, and I hope they don't then treat him like like one of the all the other sort of newbies but i know we're way down the road on that just the point is that he's been more than good he's been like astonishing is what he's been able to do in in the hl and then just to get back to minor um he's like two of their three wins and um i still don't think he's going to get a contract just because i'm not sure He's he's gonna have a lot of other options, but he certainly should be there on an AHL deal. I mean, it's not easy to find decent AHL goaltenders. And um and he wasn't even supposed to play. Like I think they just had him there for the experience and for it to give him something to do. Like Cronin even said, Well, we didn't really plan on playing him. But <laughs> <laughs> but when everyone yeah. was gone, like it was him or the guy from the ECHL, so gave him a shot, yeah. but he's also looked very composed. I guess that's such a contrast since we're used to the Miska Is <laughs> He's been very composed. He's played very intelligently, and I think he's a guy that takes to coaching really well. So maybe that's also a big part of it is getting that pro coaching that, that seems to be helping him. But those are the three positives I'd say with the AHL right now is the play of them. And I think Bowers has played very well. It's just a matter of like, hello. But if we're talking about his game, then it's been good. Even though people say, oh, he only has two goals. Maybe finishing is a question, but it's not like, you know, we have bottom sixers in the NHL that can finish on a consistent basis. So wouldn't be much difference there.
0: So two questions before we make our own NHL transition. Um, So with Jean-Luc Foody, like, is there any possibility of him pulling an Austin Mash- Matthews signing a one year deal in a Euro league instead of going back to the O? Yeah, no, that, because... I I brought
1: the, I brought that up yesterday. It's like, would that be would it be better for him to play in Switzerland next year? Well, um... he
2: already played in Sweden this year too, which I I think probably helped him. No, if the OHL exists, you have to think of it like he has a contract to his OHL team. So he has yeah, but... to play there. You have but to. he can play There's in Switzerland because do. the
1: Switzerland doesn't recognize that they're they're not part of the agreement.
2: It it doesn't matter. Like he's bound to the OHL team, so he has to play there. Like you can't just sneak off and play somewhere else. Like they have legal rights to him playing.
0: Hmm. So so there are obstacles that aren't whether it's a good idea,
2: right? Like it's just, it won't happen.
0: And then the other question is, a lot of people have wanted to put, like, just, you know, Texas-sized asterisks on AHL play this season. The general assumption is kind of being that the AHL level is a little bit of a joke this year. I would would love to hear what the AHL quality of play versus normal AHL looks like. Well,
1: I mean, t- take everyone in the league that's on the taxi squad, and they would be in the AHL right now. So that's you know you're you're talking like a, they're they're missing 100 to 150 guys.
2: Well, a lot of those guys <laughs> would be called up would they be the 22 23 guys on the roster. So I I'd say some, but I wouldn't say all. Right. And
1: but it's still a fair amount.
2: But yes, there are some vets missing, but I would argue that the kids that have been able to play in the league haven't made it worse when you have guys no. like like some of the top scores in the league so far have been Jarvis for um that was just drafted like some of these other kids um and it wasn't because of the pandemic cuz Zegras was there but he's another one that's uh you know uh, very highly talented that's that scored a lot so maybe on one hand you're not playing against as many quad a vets but you're but you're playing against a lot of young talent that wouldn't be there anyway so I don't know that the qualities necessarily worse. you could just say like maybe foodie's doing well just because he's playing against maybe not so great teams because I think the vast majority of the teams the Eagles have played which was Tucson and San Diego are good teams you could say those Ontario games were maybe a little closer to men's league-ish um
1: and it's weird because, like, the makeup of Ontario should be pretty similar to the the Gulls, which is the Ducks' affiliate. You know, they they both have a lot of uh, young high draft picks, and uh, one team's uh, doing better. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I think the Ducks have made better picks than the Kings. Yeah.
1: So. Um, but I I do think there's you know there there are more ecl-ish guys in there but again they're they're you know those are the guys that are just they're taking bottom six roles um you know so there may be you know a few guys on each team that are a little over their head but it's like they're they're not playing a ton it's 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 more the guys at the top that are driving it and those guys are just different
0: okay that's that's fair so the, the AHL is maybe more different than worse this season. Is that fair?
2: that's fair, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's look back at the avalanche now move, move back on to the things that we're here to talk about, and that is Stars and Scratches, who this week has been a big positive for you.
1: Berkey. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: Berkey
2: is such an interesting one to me because I agree, first of all. But and then you look at his time on ice. He he's back to like not playing that much. He like does. 12, that I'm talking way. about 12 minutes. But yeah, he it seems but... like it's not doghouse 12 minutes. It's just kind of like Berkey effectiveness 12 minutes to where maybe he doesn't play that much, but you notice him so much more. And so I agree. I've been happy with him. And really for well, the just, whole he, he's season. Turned,
1: he's turned comfort into a productive member of society. I mean.
2: <laughs> I, well, I think we need need a little bit bigger sample on that one. but
1: <laughs> Maybe. Right, but it, it I, I mean, we saw the effect that he had on Kadri's line. <clears throat> you know, it's like he was able to, you know, when, when that line was originally together, it was, you know, it was okay. Um, then he left and it was bad. And then he came back and it, you know, got better again. Um, but he truly it just look, is look,
2: one of one of the best compliments on the team.
1: What he what he's really good at is moving the puck, and that's something that I think the third line in in whatever iteration you want to look at. But basically, confer and Nuke and somebody else. You know, sometimes it's Donskoy. Sometimes it's Jost. Um, you know, O'Connor's been in there for a couple games. But you put Berkovsky on that line, and, and suddenly it's a lot easier to leave the zone, and so you're not on your heels playing defense the whole time, and you might get a little more offensive zone time. So it's he's a really good facilitator. If you need to get some guys going who are having troubles, you know, moving the puck or even getting into the offensive zone, and, and I, I do think that's that's sort of what we've seen with the third line this week.
0: Andre Burakovsky right, take... has seven assists, I thought I would check, and that is fifth on the team behind McKinnon, Ranton, and Makar, and Sam. Speaking
2: of, you know who my star is going to be?
0: <laughs> Devon Taves.
1: <laughs> He's
2: been solid, yes, but I think... I think you
1: could... It's been easy to tell that he he was out with something, and it was COVID, but... Um, he, his timing's a little off, but yeah, I mean, he's still fantastic.
2: We're talking about Sam now, yeah, yeah. That he's my star. So he's had what four points this week, and they're just playing the shit out of him. And you know that's going to continue, especially without Makar for two games or more. Is he's just he's takes on just such a big role. He does everything. And they just need him so much. And I, I guess people could say that maybe he's he's even taken a step this year. I still think maybe it's a little bit more appreciation related, but I do think he's playing some of his best in his career, especially against in the toughest assignments and everything that he's getting now. So
1: I think, I think his his game is definitely more well-rounded. I mean, I, I think his attack mentality in the offensive zone is definitely is an upgrade. better. Yeah, yeah.
2: And um, he's just out there all the time. <laughs> just, just I think he was huge, and especially in the games they won. I mean, maybe it wasn't his best against Minnesota, but it was nobody's best. Um, and it, and I think maybe his stamina and everything from being sick is is getting a little bit better too but the guy's a machine like he just doesn't doesn't miss time it's just of course it was Sam the guy that everyone was like oh no Pete you know he can't even come out of of his house until Sunday and oh here he is in Tahoe like he's ready to roll it's just just, was such a Sam thing it's just oh yeah he doesn't need practice he doesn't need to skate just throw him out there he just does whatever and they absolutely need him.
0: So he deserves a star. This is a good week. I'll take the low-hanging star then and give it to Nathan McKinnon. Um, just, yeah, even apart from when he scores his wow goals, he's still hit like 400 posts. So like he he's right there. Um, I still feel like he's a little
2: frustrated.
0: He's frustrated because but... he's hit 400 posts. <laughs>
2: Or stubborn, so he does get, like we talked about earlier, stubborn with the puck, but certainly when you are a player that can just flip a switch on a game like he did in the last Arizona game, just by scoring a goal, being like, yeah, we're here and we're going to win this game, so that that's what he does, and it is incredible.
0: I think it's a testament to the quality of the Avalanche play this week, that this is a much better week for honorable mention stars than it is for real star choices, because you can toss honorable mentions toward uh Gabe Landeskog for the last two games. You can toss honorable mentions toward Jacob McDonald for stepping in and honestly being more than fine. Um like there's there's a lot of guys who have been okay.
1: Like Miko yeah. had 5 points, right?
0: Yeah, he had a goal and four assists. Right. But That's pretty yeah, and
2: it, and it seemed like he started <laughs> a little slow this week too, Yeah, but, he he's, he's
0: also yeah. done a lot of things like I, I've fallen I, I haven't quite fallen down but my legs aren't in the right spot right now <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, he certainly start getting it going yeah too and
0: so if if we can start getting more uh more octane into the into Miko ranton again like obviously he's not gonna score a goal a game that was that was never you know the, the forever but if we, we can get him back on track with scoring goals that the, the Avalanche could use it um yeah. on the scratch side
1: go i'm going to i'm going to go with avs management um <laughs> that's and the, you know the, there's two things here first is i don't know what they see in hunter miska um and i don't know why he's the only one of the the third goalies that that's getting a look um it, i mean most you know i i trust jeremy the goalie opinion on stuff and, and you know he he makes a pretty good case you know why misca shouldn't be in this role um and, well it's good to know, hear from a
2: goalie person that we're not just using our optics so, right that it's it's, it's certainly def- deficiencies in his game
1: Right. And and Miska has won a game and in, in really like another one of the games it wasn't totally his fault that he lost. So it's it's not been a total disaster, but it it's just he he's gonna hurt you more than help you. And if you're not looking at Adam Werner and Peyton Jones and maybe even Trent Minor to to, you know, see if there's maybe someone better, um, then I, I just I don't think you're doing your job. Um, and the second thing is the 19 skater deal. It's just, you, you can't do that. Um, you know, th- this is this is big time pro hockey. You got to be prepared for, for unexpected things that happen. So, I mean, that's 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 two things that, that really they, they napped on this week that, that I'm not happy about.
0: They've napped on the 19 skater thing for multiple seasons. They, they just don't carry healthy scratches. We yelled about this when they had all the cap space in the world. They, they don't is, carry yeah. healthies.
2: Which is why it's <laughs> hilarious with the, them required to have some semblance of a taxi squad.
0: <laughs> right. But,
2: um, you know, for me, the goalie problem goes back more to what they should have been their thought process in the offseason, which I won't get back into. But anyone that's frequent listeners of this show knows that I've brought it up many, 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 many times over many, 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 many months. So at this point... It, it does seem silly that they're not at least willing to get... I mean, they haven't even given him a game. They haven't even... Like, when they sent Miska down to the AHL over the week, it was clear they wanted him to get into a game so that he could come back up to the Avs and and play a game and have a game under his belt. Like, they're not even bothering with Werner to get him an, an right. AHL game to set him up to possibly play in the NHL. So it's it's just... It is strange. I agree with that. I don't know if that's really the solution at this point.
1: Well, at least because... you know. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I think they should go through the guys that they have before they make a decision to claim someone on waivers. And you know, Staylock was on waivers today, and a lot of people are yapping that 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 might be a good thing for the AVS to do. I, I I don't think so. Um... I
2: don't think they'll do it. it it's. I feel like they don't recognize what they're doing is a problem. They they have a plan. We, yes, I know I should laugh because I think frequently they don't, but I think they have a strategy that we are not privy to which for some reason involves getting by with what they're doing right now. And they do have another back-to-back coming up, which we'll talk about shortly. But you could see on the horizon that Miska's probably gonna play one of those games, and, and he shouldn't
1: because he's probably gonna lose it.
0: That depends. Like, this isn't
1: marginal gain. This isn't marginal gain kind of stuff. I mean, this is actual like you're you're throwing away points when maybe you didn't have to.
2: Well, th- this goes back to the whole argument of this is why the third goaltender matters. A lot of people say it doesn't matter. We've we've heard many many times that. If you're playing your third goalie, you shouldn't expect to win, because they're all third goalies and they all suck. So then, what difference? I'm saying that make? for the
1: playoffs. I don't say that for the regular season.
2: But doesn't it? But it matters more in the playoffs. Like that's when it matters. Well, just it you're really not going to win in... with a
1: third goaltender in the playoffs. That's just <laughs> it. Just doesn't happen. <laughs> But during the regular season, it's something that you can control. And you it know, absolutely like matters,
0: the... and it keeps you from having to run your starter into the ground, which is what they're going to end up doing with right. Chris Grubauer. Whether Miska loses a game to the Anaheim Ducks will depend entirely on John Gibson. Because Anaheim is the worst offensive team in the National Hockey League. And I, I don't necessarily believe in doing a whole lot of cross-division comparisons right now, so Anaheim is the worst offensive team in the West, and it's not particularly close. Yeah. Um... So that that's scratch scratches for the entire front office for a couple of situations that have harmed the team. Although I guess they they both came to a head in the same night and the Avalanche won that game, so what do we know? Well, no, no
1: like if you had a if you had a goalie that you trusted right now, like you would definitely play your goalie against San Jose in one of those games and that would give Groovy a little bit more rest. Yeah, totally.
2: Well you have the back to back coming I mean, if you had if you had Groovy and Frank I mean, maybe at this point you would really be tending towards a split if you had Frank. That's possible.
1: But you'd want to. I mean, if.
2: <laughs> but you probably would play your backup in the back to back and and play Groovy. I'm saying you'd
1: play. I, I'm saying if you had a backup you trusted that you'd be playing two games this week.
0: I agree.
2: Maybe. Even though the. Even though Bednar does tend to lean on somebody, though. I, they've never really done the true true split before but
1: oh, i'm just saying this week i'm just saying you've got an easy opponent for two games and then a really bad offensive opponent this these are you know these are four games that you should have a fairly confident chance of of doing well regardless of who you put in goal
0: right although san jose is again a little bit like they actually can score goals um, so that, that's where it's about what you want to have a backup goalie who you actually trust. Yeah. But, but we'll get, you know, well, anyway,
1: seven and he could give up five and you'd be okay.
0: Exactly. But he also <laughs> may give up eight. Who knows? Um, my scratch for this week is it was, it was going to go towards Connor Timmins. The team obviously agreed. We already talked about that. Let's move on to one more.
2: Um, you know, I think a lot of people disagree, but I'd say Cadre and I, in, in, um it's not because I'm saying oh he was the worst player this week or or anything like that but I think he was it's just bad things seem to be following him around it's, some of it's luck some of it is you put yourself in a position to be take advantage of bad luck like in the Minnesota game he and I know I'm going to quote plus minus and it's stupid but he was minus 5 in that game and you know, an in-game
1: plus minus is actually five. telling
2: and um and then it was funny last night so the abs win was it six to two cadre was minus two <laughs> it's Like i don't know just some of that stuff's funny so he's like the work team worst minus 11 sods minus four and no one else worse than minus three and and no i'm not hitting my entire argument on plus minus some of it is just i'm pointing it out just because some of it's funny like it just like Graves, the pluses follow a guy around for a year. Kadri, the minuses follow a guy around for a year. But like he's, he does get all those chances and he's not converting. And it's like you can look at it two different ways. You can look at it like, yeah, he's getting chances, he's in the right spot and everything. But it, I think it's more than luck at this point. It, it's like there's something about him not being able to finish and. He finally did get a few. Like he got the power play goal, the first Arizona game. He got his points. He got and everything. It's just, I would like a little bit more consistency, especially some defensive consistency is what really my true argument is. Like, yeah, he's like a 4 or $5 billion player for a reason. He's not McKinnon. He's not going to score every game. But if he's your second line center and he's, taking on that big of a role, you need more consistency from the guy on both sides of the puck.
0: And we've gotten more consistency out of him before like this. It's, it's, it's not that he isn't capable of it. And you have to look at his line mates this week. Cause again, he did play with Matt Calvert for one. <laughs> <Man. laughs>
1: you know, that's never yeah, good. It's <laughs> um, but you know, it, I get what you're saying. And I, and I do agree with some of it. It's just his line is a lot more in flux most of the time. And, you know, they, they've taken Burakovsky and and used him to try to jumpstart conference line. And, and, you know, that's a noble thing to do, but it's not helping Kadri out. Um, you know it's just it he's he's in a not so great spot because you're right the defensive consistency isn't there and I, I think it's a lot to ask for it you know he does need someone you know probably like Berkey that they can really move the he
2: probably needs like Landy is for defensive consistency it's and yes part of it is no I'm not expecting him to be somebody he's not but then the other side of it he's your freaking second line center and he's a veteran and I think you can expect more from him defensively. Like it's it's not okay. It's not just say, oh well, it's Kadri He's just not that good defensively. Like that's well, not. He's not.
0: <laughs> well, it's it's not just not, not his thing. <laughs> the, uh, then <laughs> don't not. use him that way. Um, yeah, I, 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 I do think a fair <laughs> amount of of Qadri, specifically his production, which was, was going to limit his pluses, is going to be very insulated. Um, so there 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 is that part of it, but I definitely want to. Kind of close the segment up by saying there will never be a funnier plus-minus than the time the Leafs beat the Thrashers 9-3 to and Brett Lebdo was a minus-3. <laughs> <laughs> We're about a third of the way through this season, and it's a new month, so why not use this arbitrary calendar line to watch the standings? Just a little bit. We don't have a whole lot of time for this, so just briefly. Uh, Colorado sit fourth in the division by points right now, which is two back of Vegas and one back of both St. Louis and Minnesota, and neither of... None of those teams play Sunday night either, so that will even be true when you hear the show. It's amazing. Uh, they have three games at hand on St. Louis, so they're actually third by points percentage. And St. Louis is kind of struggling. Four out of four, five, and one in their last ten. Yeah. So that's where the division sits right now. Um, we, we were going to talk a little bit about um, you know how all the different divisions kind of look versus each other. Um, so I, we, we can go ahead and and spend a few minutes on that, but let's let's keep it all, kind of moving along. because I have not seen almost I, any of any other division except the north.
1: Yeah, it just did the the personalities of the divisions are are interesting and and they're pretty much what you think. like the you know the north is is very offensively inclined, and they sort of skew the league's numbers
0: highly. That's a very charitable uh, way to describe it. <laughs> well,
2: goaltending yeah. declined. Goaltending and defense declined as well.
1: Yeah, and one thing I was looking at this week that, that the our division has the lowest low danger shooting percentage uh, by quite a bit, and. I, this is something I wanted to ask Jeremy, and I never got the chance. But I, I, I wanted to throw it out there to you guys. Does that? Do you think that means that, that we have the best goaltending, or it's just the, the worst, the worst shooting from? <laughs> well, no, it's it's low danger. This is like, you know, the the, the shots from you know far out on the perimeter. You know, think like far away from the home plate area. Well, or just without not going looking in our division,
2: without looking it up. I would say my question would be goals from defensemen because I feel like the abs don't have a lot of goals from defensemen. Like, Makar has one goal, Sam has two, and then I'd have to check if those are on the power play or not. Then Graves mm-hmm. isn't getting his, like, maybe once every five, seven, eight game, like, kind of miracle goals. When it, Cole <laughs> had that last year as well. So...
1: Well, t- Tapes has a couple and, and McDonald well, has one uh, now. So is that... Is, was is that shooting plane. shooting
0: percentage, or is that like Corsi or Fenwick shooting percentage? Because um, that that changes my answer to this question.
1: I'm not sure. It's whatever Natural Stat Trick uses for their low danger shooting percentage, medium danger, high danger.
0: Because if it's well, that, if it's shooting uh, shooting percentage, then it's gets a combination of goaltending plus defenders who aren't particularly good shooters. Um, if it's Corsi shooting percentage, it's that this division clogs the shit out of everything. And I think that's what it is,
1: honestly. Um,
0: I think that's it's, part of it, you know, yeah.
1: It, yeah, because, the, you know, if you look at their high danger, it's very, you know, it's right on league average. They're a little bit above average and medium danger, but it's just low danger They are way below league average. And it's just, it, it seems weird um, that that's just, that's something that stands out about the, the division is that, that, you know, the the goalies aren't letting in bad goals, it seems like. Um, even though Hunter Miska's in the division.
0: <laughs> so you got the West, which needs some Drano. you got the North, which has never seen a defender. Um, and then you have the East <laughs> and the Central, which are so boring. Yeah. <laughs> the East is definitely
2: boring. The, the worst the NDC... part about those
1: two divisions is they're, they're both really into three-point games.
2: So's so is our division. It's aggravating. I I think you said this earlier. San Jose has three wins, but 16 points.
1: Yeah. <laughs> three regulation that's, wins, but they have 16 points. How does that work?
2: <laughs> that's nauseating, honestly. Yeah. Good old Batman and point. I, and I think that gets back to what, what I would say about our division is it is tight, and it is going to continue to be tight. I think for those reasons that you, you Three point games, but then they're all against each other.
1: Yeah.
0: It's gonna, it's oddly gonna... enough,
1: the, the North Division has very few of those. Um, yeah, I think in our division, it's like you can kind of cross San Jose and Anaheim out right now. Um, but you know, the I think the other six teams, you know, I I, I think it's you know it's it's going to be a battle for a long time. I I don't know how sustainable it is for. You know, Los Angeles and, and Arizona to stay uh, competitive <clears throat> because, it, you know, it does look like the Avs, Minnesota, Vegas, and, and the Blues should be the four that make it. Um, but if the Blues continue to, to crater, then then maybe Los Angeles or Arizona can, can get in there on that spot. Or, you know, maybe Minnesota comes back to the reality because they're shooting very high right now.
0: Um, Honestly, I think Minnesota's a little bit better than people want to give them credit for. Um, I think they are, too. Shoot, shooting or no, but then by the same by the same stretch, St. Louis is probably a lot worse than people want to give them credit for, too. Did yeah. you get
2: any of my point or no? <laughs> I think I like dropped out.
0: I don't remember you talking, so I'm going to oh, guess okay. no. that's great. The last thing okay. that I remember <laughs> you saying was that this is just a, a tight division.
2: Okay, well, the fact that there's the series splits all the time, that the abs have split every single series except for the... San Jose won and then just completed Arizona won. And it's like you have to win a series to make any sort of move up the standings. If you split, go to overtime, all the stupid extra points, it just clogs everybody up in the same position. And it's, it's going to be like that the whole year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, more or less. No, then- I definitely see that. If you've got teams that can get six or eight goals in a game, then it's a lot more likely to actually pull enough ahead that you can pull out a regulation win. So that's where you don't see as many three-point games in Canada. Yeah. And, and
2: I agree with that Minnesota looks like they're better. Like, they have some act, like cap resolve, and they have a little bit more offensive thrust, I guess you could say. And St. Louis has played bad, but it, are they going to bounce back? And LA has is, is been better. Are they going to fall back to earth a little bit? I think Arizona is decent ish. So it's not decent ish enough, I don't think. Maybe but, not yeah. enough, but enough to where they're a nuisance. Yeah. I, right? like, yeah. I don't think Arizona is kicking the ads out of the playoffs. No. But could they win enough to be a nuisance? Yes.
0: I definitely like Arizona better than LA. Um, whether I like them better than St. Louis, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, and that's—I mean—I do think it, it hinges on one of the four teams everyone thinks is going to be good, not being good. And right now, that's St. Louis, but it might not be for the the next two thirds of the season.
0: It depends on whether Jordan Bennington gets to fight anybody or not. Yeah. Well, he um, needs it apparently. So happy March, everybody! Uh, put some coffee on because this is going to be a late week and hopefully not a super exciting one. Colorado are headed to San Jose for two games against the Sharks. That's Monday and Wednesday, both 8.30 Mountain starts. Ouch. They'll spend the next two and a half weeks at home, though, starting on Friday with a 7 o'clock start against the stupid Anaheim Ducks, which is back-to-back. Saturday's rematch starts at 6 o'clock Mountain for some reason. All games are on altitude except Mondays, which is on altitude too, the Ocho. What, say you, can the Avs sweep this week?
1: Nah, I
2: think a sweep's too much to ask for, but three out of four would be nice.
1: Yeah, they can beat the Sharks twice. They can't beat Anaheim back to back. No way. I mean, if they do, it's great because that's you know that that's that's something that they've really struggled with. Basically, Which no it looks matter like, what situation.
2: Yeah, and these two look like the worst teams in the division, and we know the Sharks have no goaltending, but Anaheim has the goaltending.
0: They have only goaltending, and the Avs just yeah.
2: Anaheim can't score, but
0: But can they score on Hunter their, Miska?
2: Some of their kids can have their moments, and they might only need, like, two or three against the ABS, and that's enough. And so, I hope for three out of four, and like you said, the a, a big home stand-up coming. Like, after this, their next road trip is until Arizona in about three weeks. So, you would hope that they could get rolling at home, but Without checking, I'm pretty sure their road record is better than their home record.
0: I can and will check that while y'all continue talking. So it <laughs> could, could just
2: be an anomaly. It could be just one of those years where they function better on the road. So I'm not necessarily going to say like, oh boy, three straight weeks at home. We should roll right through that. I don't think it's going to be
0: that easy. So they've played... Eight games at home and ten games on the road. They have one more road win and run one more road regulation or one more road overtime loss. So it's it's, it's pretty, hard. Okay, to, it's even. hard to say. It's pretty even. Okay, um, it's like, not even
2: like better St- than I suspected.
0: Yeah, it's not yeah. like St. Louis, who's four six and two at home and seven two zero oh on the road.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a
0: little strange, but. <laughs> Or San Jose, who's only been able to play four home games because of their owner. So anyway, I, I'm there. You'd expect teams to be better at home usually, and this year that that factor seems to be a little bit stronger. So hopefully, with with Colorado getting an extended home stand and against some of the more poop teams in the division, that'll start to bear bear itself out a little bit. I I think six points is kind of like the floor this week. Yeah,
2: I just feel like everyone assumes they're gonna sweep San Jose, and maybe they won't, and it's gonna be a little frustrating. What could go wrong? (laughs) So maybe I'll go with five points that they'll split, but they can pick up an an overtime point. I don't know. I'm on the fence because really they should do well this week, but you know, should and reality don't necessarily meet. Meet up, but they are if, if they can take anything from arizona is that they finally started playing better and that should give them some momentum
1: yeah i mean they need they really need to build off that and then it's you know th- this part of the schedule is where they're gonna basically determine their final spot at the end of the year i think just because this is this is where they can really set themselves apart. If they're gonna win the division, they'll win it in the next three weeks or so. You know, it's like they they really you know, they just need to blast everybody while they're at home and control as much as they can control.
2: I don't think um, they're winning the division.
1: I you know, I, I'm just saying if they if they do, it should be because they do really well during this stretch.
2: I mean, but yeah, they're... like I said, if you win a series, it just seems like that that's really what moves you in the standing. So and yeah, so considering the absolutely one two series, they certainly need to do more of that.
1: Right. I, I mean, mean, they they need to go on like a six or seven game winning streak at some point to, to really make hay in the standing. And I know that's really tough, you know, with the, with all the back to backs and, and playing the same team. Um. But it's just, you know, if they're going to be one of the best teams, they, they kind of, you know, they need to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. We, we talk about Minnesota having an elevated shooting percentage, but the Vegas Golden Knights aren't far behind. So that may slow them down a little bit as well. And they've only played one fewer game and Colorado are only two points back. That's not a big gap to make up in 40 games. Um, no. you, you can think it's not going to happen. That's fine, but it's definitely not impossible. Vegas may be not quite as strong as their results may indicate. What if it's Minnesota that wins the division? Yeah. Oh, this this season's it's a Texas-sized asterisk, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> that would be horrible. <clears throat> so whatever ends up happening this week whether martin jones suddenly decides that he knows how to tend goal or devin dubnik or whoever the sharks throw at us uh, you know you can find out here uh, wherever you listen we will be there again next week um whether that's soundcloud spotify or apples uh, whatever apple podcasts are called now i think it's apple podcasts um all that stuff we will be here next week i'm pretty sure we'll be here the week after that there will there is a week in march that we're going to take a vacation on um, but I don't think it's the next two weeks. I know it's not next week. We will see you then. It is Joe scores!
2: scores! Surely,
0: that's to be it! That's that's not a marker, that's the comma button. What just happened? Hello? Work please.
2: I can hear you.
0: Forget it, whatever. I'll just I'll just figure Let's out where to again. cut it without a marker. Um Okay. <laughs>